When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five Off the Floor, now the Five On the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsSports.com, and also our YouTube channel. I can guarantee you we'll be pumping out more content than anybody else just because sports have stopped and they haven't totally stopped. Uh, does not mean we're going to stop and we have enough contributors that people want to stay busy. So we're going to be giving you content to get you through this period. Also want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network, the Seltzer Mayberg law firm. You can find them at one That's O N E call They've got someone there 24 hours a day to handle your case, whether it's immigration, slip and fall, personal injury, Traffic tickets, sports law, just about anything else. They handle everything at the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. They're located right there in Miami Shores, which is North Miami, right before the Golden Glades, right off of I-95. So if you have any legal issues you've been meaning to take care of, you got some spare time on your hands, this is a good time to do it. The spell Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, onecalllegal.com. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the 5 Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back, and we told you we're going to keep giving you content, even though there are no games. There's still plenty to cover for now on coronavirus, but actually we're going to do more of a basketball Miami heat episode today. No Alf today. He was on my last two episodes. So check those out where we kind of handled everything that was going on with the suspension. And we will continue to follow up on all of that. But today I've got Alex Toledo and Nikias Duncan. And like I said, we're going to do more of a strict basketball sort of salary cap planning type episode, not knowing whether the heat season is over. If you need me to catch you up, what the NBA is looking at, for this season from everything that I've been able to gather from talking to people uh, in the league and also those who speak to those in the league is to still salvage some of the regular season, but they don't really know when things are going to be over. Uh, They want to salvage some of the regular season for CBA reasons and also for TV reasons to at least play a few games. It doesn't really have to do anything with seeding and then get to the playoffs. And if the regular season is over, the Miami heat would open with the Indiana Pacers in a four or five matchup. But again, we don't know how this is going to play out. We don't know if Brower and Dade are going to be on lockdown the next two weeks. We don't know what's going to happen with this situation. So we're just going to focus on basketball-related stuff today. Alex, Nikias, there was actually some sort of news, although I don't know, you know how strong either story was, but there were a couple of reports. Barry Jackson had a report. 
was also a report out of San Antonio uh, by a reporter uh, Jabari, Jabari Young, who used to cover the, the, the Blazers and also the Spurs and now works, I believe, for actually for, for NBC or CNBC. And the two reports, I think, are kind of related. Goran Dragic, DeMar DeRozan. Let's handle the DeRozan thing first before we get to Goran, because Jabari's reporting, Jabari, again, has a lot of ties in the Spurs organization, that the Heat were pretty serious about going after DeMar at the trade deadline. We heard a lot about Gallinari. We didn't hear as much about DeRozan. I'll start with you, Nikias. First thing, is he even a good fit for the Heat? Um, it's not a great fit. I think he has value kind of in the same ways that Jimmy Butler does as a pick-and-roll ball handler, as a guy that gets to the rim and a guy that can create a lot of free throws, um, has a very nice mid-range game, um, good pull-up shooter from mid-range, um, does not shoot threes well and doesn't shoot them at all at this point. So that kind of that kind of tanks his value a little bit. And then he's just kind of a, a wet tissue paper on defense. Like he has some decent sides. You can kind of hide him on the worst offense player on the other team. But uh, he just isn't very instinctual. Um, as athletic as he is on the offensive end, he doesn't move his feet well defensively. He doesn't really feel the game well. He's he's a liability in every sense of the word. And to that point, if he's a liability in every sense of the word and there's duplication with Jimmy, I think, Alex, you and I had talked about DeMar before the break and whether or not it made sense for them. Um, Jimmy hasn't stopped shooting threes but has never shot them worse than now. And he has cut back on the number quite a bit. But the other issue that Nikias brings up, and this I like Demar. I've always I like I like Demar personally, and I think that probably colors my opinion on this a little bit. And I know obviously he has a very close relationship with Dwayne, as you know, do a lot of the two guards in the league who've been elite over the past few years. But my issue with Demar is the playoff thing with him. Like, it's real. <laughs> like with Kyle Lowry, there's some question because there's been some up and down moments. Like Demar's numbers tank in the playoffs. They are as I mean polar opposite to what they do in the regular season. I mean, do, do you just beyond the basketball, is he someone you'd want to bring in with where the heat are trying to go? Uh, I mean, it's definitely not my favorite idea. I can kind of, you know, get the logic more or less. Like it's almost like a, you know, a cheaper version of the other moves. They've been rumored to be interested, you know, Beal, Oladipo, Gallinari, any of these guys that it's essentially to fill the role of, you know, main scorer on the team or somebody to really help, as far as shot creation and to take that pressure off of Jimmy and Bam, who aren't, neither of them are necessarily 1A scores. And I think DeRozan, like on a one-year deal, is not the worst idea, I guess. You know, it depends on, on, on the rest of the team and what else you can do to surround the team with good defenders because you would absolutely need that. Uh, it's good that they have shooters that they can kind of play around those guys right there. But it's definitely an awkward fit. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Would they be able to construct a good defensive team around them if you're putting all your money this summer into DeRozan? I don't know how that looks, you know? Well, that's the thing. And so, to kind of back to you on this, and then we'll kind of get into the Dragic piece of this because I think all of it fits together a little bit. Um, if they're going to, like I said, if they're going to play the two of them together, uh, then you've essentially decided you're not having any three-point shooting on their wings, right? So you got to play like Hero and Duncan or next summer or something. Right. Hero, Duncan, and none, right? Like at least two. And then you're playing super small. I, what would the lineups even look like with what they have now? Um, I think ideally, if you bring a DeMar in, you would kind of have to sell him on the Goran role, be a high minute six man, close out games if you have the jumper going. And if not, kind of give way to some shooters, especially since Spo looks like he's more comfortable doing those offense, defense subs at the end of games now. So I think DeMar would be a 
an option for that. But again, DeMar DeRozan has been a multiple time all-star. So it's hard to see him accepting that kind of role, especially since he's been pretty good in San Antonio the last couple of years. Right. Um, obviously not a superstar level guy, but I mean, he's been a fringe all-star talent. So that would be a pretty tough sale for him. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, I, it's, it's one thing to sell Goran on it when he had, you know, entered fairly deep into his 30s and they were trying to promote justice to that role. But, I, I mean, unless – I mean, DeMar's not leaving, like, a bad organization. And he may not be happy there. I, I, I saw he came out on social media, basically said, what is he? We said, like, where, where the bleep do they get to this stuff? Uh, so maybe he didn't have an issue with being there. But it's clear that the uh, – one of the things – Nakai, what do the numbers say on this? Because – I, Matt Moore was doing a lot of work on this earlier this season that basically the Spurs were better without Aldridge or DeRozan on the floor, like without either of them on the floor, they were better. Is, is that, is that true? Um, it wouldn't surprise me just because San Antonio has a lot of good guards, especially like Derek white. He's really, really good defensively. And the reason that DeMar and Aldridge specifically was tanking the Spurs um, their own and off numbers is because they're so bad defensively. So once you sell them out for anyone with a pulse on the defensive end, then the offense doesn't drop because you're, especially in the case of DeMar, you're probably replacing him with a guy that can shoot. Mm -hmm. So the offense gets better just by virtue of that. And then you're replacing him with a better defender. So the on-off numbers look a lot better there. So uh, I haven't checked, but I would assume that's probably what it is. All right, so let's get to the other piece of this. And, and I, I do want to touch on in how this would all fit because I think it's a little confusing. And, and I actually have – people know Albert Namid. He's actually helping me off air right now. So um, so is Brian Goins for me. <laughs> right. So, so we're getting a little bit of salary cap help. I, I, I do feel uh, with Albert I can go to him because I'm kind of the guy who promoted him uh, <laughs> first on social media because I found his work a few years ago and was like, oh, my God, it's basically Andy Ellisberg is located out in California. And so Albert uh, is, in my view, as good as anybody on this stuff who's, who's outside the Hugh organization. So he's presenting a little bit of context. I mean, so we'll get to that here in the second half of the pod. But let's just get to Dragic because there was a report that the Heat, and I don't think this is a surprise. We've talked about this on the podcast pretty much since the summer, that we were expecting a big balloon payment to Dragic for one year who he wants to be here as long as he accepted the six man role, which he did. And then after the one year, be a very team friendly deal starting in 2021, couple of years, maybe $10 million total after the first year to basically get him to finish his career in Miami. And this is a little bit like what the heat wanted to do with Dwayne, except the numbers were bigger. They wanted to give him the one year balloon payment, right? Actually, I think it was reverse, right? They, they were going to give him the, the less at first, and then we're going to give him the big balloon payment la later. This time it would be give the balloon payment at first and then less later. So the number that's been floated out there, I think Barry had it, was something around $19 million is what Goran's uh, associates are expecting. Your immediate reaction to Caius on this was negative. Why? I am just not in the market of paying a mid-30s guard that is a defensive liability and is already not an explosive athlete. Uh, I just don't think that ages well. And I get it's a one-year deal, and then I also get the connection that Miami has to Gorn specifically. So I'm, I'm not even coming at it from a place to where it's not going to happen. I fully expect him to be in a Heat uniform next year. But, um, like, the first step has dropped some. Um, and that's been kind of neutered by him developing a pull-up three, and that's been huge for him offensively. But um, he doesn't get to the rim as easily as he once did. Um, he's not finishing as well as he once was. Defense, he was already kind of trying to push above his weight, and now that's just gone now. He's just a negative on the end of the floor. And I don't see how that gets better next year as he adds some more mileage of assuming the season picks back up. 
It's going to be some more wear and tear on his legs. Um, teams already target him. And if you're looking at Miami trying to build a contender, playoff basketball, especially in the last five minutes or so of games, is all about, okay, what mismatch can we hunt? Because teams know our set plays. They know what we want to do. So let, what, what mismatches can we hunt? And Goran is basically a traffic cone. So I, I just don't, I'm just not in the business of giving those guys money, especially that much money, if you're saying he's not going to close out games for you. Man, I tend to agree with most of what Nikaias is saying there. It really is tough, right? Because it comes down, it's like almost a, circum, a circumstantial thing with this team, right? Where it's like, not only is Goran not a good defender at all and aging, he lost his first step and all that, but they've got, as we talked about a million times this season, they've got so many other bad defenders who can be targeted. And it just I, they kind of all compound each other and compound the problem. And you're just always running lineups with bad defenders. And that's going to end up being vulnerability in the playoffs. Like the Kaius mentioned, I would love and, and kind of do also expect uh, Goran to be in a uniform next season. I think, you know, he kind of deserves it after everything he went through, right? He was traded to be here on a contending team with Wade, Bosch, and Whiteside. Didn't really get to live out that fantasy. And now, like, I would like for him to be part of, you know, of the, of the team finally winning after those years that he had to put up with Hassan Whiteside being his best teammate. But it, it really is tough because you can't, you can't pick him over the other guys who are defensive liabilities. You can't prioritize him over Duncan, Nunn, or Hero on the perimeter. Yeah, and but you mentioned tough. it, though. There's a sentimental issue here, too, and that's why I, I agree with Nikias. Goran's going to be back next year. They can't do it again. Now, I know Goran's not Dwayne, but – they just can't. they can't. I mean, they've repaired. You know, they went overboard to repair that by paying a bunch of guys they shouldn't have paid. You know, the 16, 17 guys, the James Johnson, the Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters, Hassan Whiteside, you know, et cetera. And, but they have repaired their image around the league. And I, agents I talked to have said that they've repaired their image around the league. And a guy like Goron, who's represented by Bill Duffy, who represents a bunch of other guys, who has, uh, you know, been the great citizen down here in every way, including accepting the six man this role, the six man uh, role this year that Deion Waiters would not accept. I think that this has been preordained. Like if if Goran wants to be here, which he does, he's going to get close to twenty million next year, and it's just a question of whether or not he's willing to take less after that, which I think he will be. And then I do think it comes down to playing time and kind of who else they have and whether he's going to have exactly the same role. I think this break for him, provided that the, the team comes back this year, is a good thing. Because to me, the last five or six games, he didn't look good. <laughs> he, didn't look, he looked like he looks when he's injured at times, and I think he's just tired. And, and, I, and Alex and I have talked about that. You know, the way Spolster uses him, I think, is contributing to that now. Because this thing where he comes in with five minutes left in the third quarter and doesn't leave the game <laughs> for the next 17 minutes – is, is not ideal, and I think it's worn on him in the last five, six minutes. He has to be, in my view, a spot player now. He, he's a 20 to 24-minute-a-game player at the most, and he shouldn't be used more than that, and that doesn't justify $19 million, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think they're going to give it to him anyway. Um, what if I pose the question to you guys like this? Um, can they re-sign all four and it will be a high tax team? I think the answer is yes from what Brian Goins is telling me. It sounds like basically, you know, there's an you know, there's a reality where they re-sign all four guys and they're way into the tax. And maybe that's the reality where Goran gets 19 mil. Maybe Derek is the only guy who gets like a small, a very small three-year deal, like under seven million type thing with with a with the player, I mean with a team option at the for the third year or something like that. 
But uh, is the reality just going to end up coming down to, you know, re-signing all four or using the cap space elsewhere for somebody else bigger, like a Gallinari or DeRozan? Is that what it's going to end up coming down to? It's stunning to me that you never did radio because that is what's called a radio tease. We're going to hit that in the second segment of this podcast. <laughs> all right. So we're going to tell you about another great spots for the Five Reasons Sports Network. You got to go to DoralToyota.com. We understand that you may not be leaving the house as much as you were before. So go to DoralToyota.com and check out what car you want. They've been in business for 50 years. They're celebrating their 50th anniversary over in Doral. And when you mention five reasons, when you get in touch with them, you work directly with the manager. So what's better than that? You can go to the website, pick out your car, contact Doral Toyota, and work directly with a manager. They've got 1,500 new and used cars to choose from. And it's easy to get to when you go to the dealership right off of 826 and 836, a few blocks from International Mall. The roads aren't as busy right now. Doral's not as busy. So head over to Doral Toyota. It's over at 9775. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street in Doral. Also, they've got in-house financing available for all your credit challenges. All right, let's get to Alex's question because we've been trying to answer that. This is a little complex. Um, but according to, and you spoke to Brian Goins uh, of Heat Beat, and I've been communicating with Albert uh, kind of off air here. And his answer on this, I asked, you know, just to be sure, do they have bird rights on all these players? Goran Dragic, Myers Leonard, Jay Crowder, who said again, and he said it on our podcast already, said it last week, but he told Barry Jackson afterwards that he wants to be here in Miami. It's basically his, his not just second home, it's kind of his first home now. He's lived down here in the offseason for a long time, and he just moved a bunch of people down here. And also to Derek Jones Jr., um, who they, they have to give a qualifying offer to and then extend. And my question was basically, do they have bird rights in all of them? Can they go over the cap to sign them? And he said, this is Albert's answer. You tell me if Brian gave you something similar. Basically, yes, they can bring back everyone and use the mid-level exception, which, by the way, is over like $9 million now. Or they can use cap room, whichever they choose. But either way, any multi-year deals – would cut into 2021 cap room. <laughs> so let's just ask this question. Nikias, I'll start with you. Would you, if, it's, if you don't have to go past 2021, if you can just do one-year deals with these guys? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Would you bring them all back, even if it means you're going to push in a luxury tax? And, and, and players I'm mentioning again, this is not bringing in DeRozan, but this is bringing in, although it might preclude you from bringing in a DeRozan, Mm-hmm. Dragic, Leonard, Crowder, DJJ, and and put them in order if you can. Um, putting them in order, I would say Crowder first. Um, I think what he provides as a three point shooter, even though it's starting to regress a little bit, I think he's going to be a mid thirties guy, and that can, that combined with him being able to guard both forward spots, um, I think he helps unlock Miami's switching scheme a bit. I think he should be prioritized first. Um, I would probably go Myers Leonard second. Just having a stretch five alongside Bam has helped. That starting lineup was really good. You have to see how Myers looks once he comes back from the ankle injury. But I think he's shown you some stuff. Um, Derrick Jones Jr. would probably be third for me. 
Um, he's another guy that I've personally been kind of low on just because I'm looking through the playoff lens. What does the shot look like? And our team's going to ignore him and things of that nature. But he's in a, uh, he's clearly an important part of Miami's young core because, um, I mean, Justice Winslow isn't here and Derrick Jones Jr. is. I think that's just kind of <laughs> what that is. Um, and I would say Goran Lass, as I mentioned earlier, he's an aging guard that cannot defend at this point, and I feel like that's going to get worse. Um, and then the price tag on Goran looks like it's going to be higher than everyone else's, so that mm-hmm. also tanks his value for me in that list. And if you look at value, and then I'll get to you, Alex, on this, I mean, l- let me try to throw some numbers out there. If Goran is 19, and look, the cap may change again because – we may not have a full season. And remember, 25% of the NBA revenue comes from the playoffs, roughly. So you already had the China situation. I'm not talking about coronavirus. I'm talking about Daryl Morey's comments that, that lowered the cap. And now you may not have a full season played. So these numbers may look totally different. But let's, let's just base it on what we expected it to be. If Goran is a $19 million player, what is Jay Crowder's value? $10 million a year? $12 million a year? On a one-year? Uh, yeah, I would say right? around a 12. Man. Yeah, about 12 for him. Okay. Myers? Uh, what do we think? Myers probably going to float around. the Like, I don't see him getting more than, like, Thomas Bryant got last year. Mm-hmm. So maybe one year, eight mil-ish, if he'll take that. He loves it here. I mean, that might play into it. And he's smart enough to understand the importance of – the organization, the no state tax and all that, I think he may be looking for 10. So does that so change what you know, if, it's, if it's 10 million for Myers? Uh, I mean, if it's a one-year deal and going into the tax anyway, I guess there, there really isn't much reason to so, quabble over that. So right. it's basically all or nothing then because from what I understand, I'm also reading uh, Albert's article at the same time that we're doing this and it confirms everything we've been saying. It's basically either – you know, you're, you're operating as an above the salary cap team where you re-sign all four and you, you're into the tax, like we mentioned, or you operate as a cap room team, which mm-hmm. is you're limited to that 28 million, which, uh, you know, could go to 43 if Kelly were to opt out, which doesn't seem, I mean, we don't really know, but it doesn't really seem likely. I think that's unlikely. Uh, based based yeah. on everything I've heard, I think that's, especially with the lack of playing time this year, I, I think, unless he wants out of here, which I, I really don't think is the case um, from, yeah, I don't see what he would. No, I, I, th- I think he's going to opt into that. And, and the other thing is, it's like, if Myers wants 10, if Goran wants 19, that's already 29 mil, right? That means if you're trying, you might as well go all four, right? Or, I mean, they, they would have to make that decision how much tax they want, they want to pay next season for, the, for that team. But it's like you can't. Well, it, it, it could be it could be three in the mid level. It could be three in the mid level, right? Basically, but but even but even that, you're not going to squeeze it under twenty nine. Well, once once you once you're pushing, no, they, could get all, they could get all four, and then if they go over. If they go they, over, they go all four and still have access to the taxpayer mid level exception, which is nine point eight million. Or right. and they're and they're not and they're not and they're not a repeater team now, so it's not as big a deal. This was why uh, sometimes we get frustrated with the organization for doing doing certain things, but this was kind of why they did what they did uh, with the non Magruder switch two years ago because it, it got them out of the I'm not excuse me last year because it got them out of the the repeater tax situation, so they can be a tax team now. Now here's the other thing we haven't really considered. The, the, the primary owner of this team is in an industry that is probably the absolute worst industry to be in right now. Or one of the right. worst, yeah. Right? Coronavirus, okay? Carnival stock 
was down 65% from what I saw. Yeah, they, they put all that money into the stock market though, right? A trillion. Well, that, that's not going to, that's not going to save that stock this week. I, you know, I wonder, who, yeah. Who's booking cruises for the next year, right? Like, oh, I nobody. It's, oh, I've been driving around Uber passengers and there was people who were, you know, they had boats, they, they were pressuring uh, these other countries that the cruises are going to, to let the people down. The countries didn't want to let the people down. You know, uh, plenty of people had to reroute their trips because uh, the cruises were canceled. It's been a whole mess. <laughs> so maybe, it, it might throw a wrench into the tax. Well, I, I, it, it's a, it, it, whether or not he wants to pay tax for his, his basketball team. I mean, Mickey has been open to paying tax when the team has warranted it, but his business has never been under siege like this. His other business, his primary business. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, people and get upset at me for spending owners' money, right? Because I, I have found it a little bit ridiculous. And I think we're going to get an announcement from the Heat on Monday, by the way, about what they're doing because it's been in the works. I know they've been working on in terms of what they're going to do for employees. I think I've counted like uh, uh, there's a number of teams now that have done something. But I've been a little frustrated. I know, Nikias, you have been too that I think it's admirable that guys like Kevin Love and Zion and Blake Griffin are stepping up and paying for salary, you know, paying, you know, for employees at arenas. But I don't understand why people who are worth 1% of what the owners are worth, and it is about 1%, are the ones that are being expected to do this or feel that they have to do this or it's not going to get done. I, I, we're all in agreement. I think politically we all agree on that, right? So I, that, so, but I get accused of spending owners' money. But in this particular case, I might understand if, if Mickey is a little bit less willing to go deep sure. into a luxury tax for his NBA team when his primary business it, is worth much less than it was before. It would be kind of disappointing if, you know, remember all we talked about when that Winslow trade happened? Well, not all, but, you know, we talked about one of the primary reasons for making that trade was the, the cap flexibility we're going to have this summer, right? They didn't have any cap room going into the summer, and now they could possibly have $28 million if they operate as a cap room team. And for all of that to just kind of be like, well, uh, we re-signed Goran, we got Derek to a small number, and that's what we did with the money. We're not going into the tax. <laughs> uh, they, I wonder how may, you guys would react to that. <laughs> they, they may say that, but this also raises the question. Nikias, was it a smart move to extend Andre Iguodala for $15 million? No, it was not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think there's – I get, they. it seems like they had to do it to convince him to come out. And, but I also feel like if that's what you had to do to convince Andre Godal to play basketball for you, and you have Justice Winslow, who, I mean, he's not going to be done forever. Um, I mean, honestly, probably would have made more sense to kind of wait that out. But, you know, I'm, I'm also high on justice, so uh, that's going to color my view a little bit. And it looked like justice was about to come back, too. He was about to come back, yeah. Or he knew what was coming and knew he wouldn't have to play anyway. I don't uh, know. I wonder if maybe that makes the, the heat feel a little bit of pressure to try to do something in the summer, like like with the cap room, to not go into the tax and be like, all right, uh, could we try to get DeRozan with the cap room and then re-sign Goran and then promise him some more money down the line over like a four-year contract? Right. Well, they might have to They might have to smooth this thing over a little bit because, you know, Jay Crowder, I think if the Heat give, end up giving Jay Crowder $12 million for one year, I think Heat fans will be like, okay. I mean, he's he's earned it, right? I mean, he, he's played to that level since he's been there. He offers them something. And I, I'm with you. Of the four of them, I think Jay has the most value to them. Um, Remember, we, we talked about close. it like a month ago, and I said the same thing. It's it's the defensive issues have made him so much more valuable. Valuable. Well, and his, and I, when Akaya says, his ability to guard both forward spots, I, I think that yep. is uh, that's critical. And I think it takes a big burden off Jimmy 
And so I, I do think it's important. But I think the four guys are pretty close for a bunch of different reasons. I think they've all proven some value. I'm not as high on DJJ now as I was because uh, I think we've started to see some of those flaws. But from an age perspective, you could argue him first. I mean, from a from a uniqueness perspective on this roster, you could argue Myers first. From a just skill level of perspective and service to the organization, you could argue Dragic first. From what they've actually provided over the past month, you would argue Crowder first. So I, I just I think it's a hard argument to make either way. But I do think we're gonna have to start talking about this stuff. Like I think Mickey's business plays into this now mm-hmm. and and where that goes over the next couple of months. And they're gonna have to make some some very difficult decisions and how close is this team really? And that has always been what has determined whether the Arisons have been willing to go into tax. Like and I, I know people point to the 13 decision and Mike Miller, and I disagreed with it at the time. I disagreed with the Joel Anthony decision too. Chalmers. Right. But I, I kind of understood that a little bit, uh, the Joel one, the, the, the Miller one I, I still didn't understand. And then when Mike you know, played 82 games the next year and shot 45% from three, it looked worse. But I just – I think you know, this is going to be something we're going to talk about. Another thing that we haven't really considered, uh, since we don't know when the season is going to start again, or not, you know, it's going to probably end up, if it does resume, it's going to be in the playoffs. What does that do to the draft and free agency? At what time will each of these things take place? We don't know when anything's going to happen. Right. So that throws a wrench into all of this, right? <laughs> They're going to have to change the league year. Uh, this is like unpre- unprecedented. It's, it's unprecedented. We want to do an entire episode on the draft. I'm going to bring on a draft, a couple draft experts to just talk about what teams are doing now. I mean, there are a lot of teams that base a lot of their decisions on what they see in the conference tournaments and in the regionals. And there are no conference tournaments. There are no regionals. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you have Keith Askins, you've got Adam Simon, you've got Chet Cameron, you've got all these people in the organization. Like, what are they watching now? I don't think the Heat are going to make anybody available because I don't think NBA teams in general are going to make anybody available to the media right now. But I think there's people we can talk to who cover the draft who can, who can touch on this. I guess we final thing, and then and then we're gonna go on this. Is if I was to say to you, uh, just and again, the numbers have to work. But if I was to say to you, Nikias, you can get DeRozan, okay, uh, but it means you're not gonna get Dragic and one of these other guys. Whether it's say Dragic and Crowder, Dragic and Leonard, Dragic and DJJ, you choose who. Um, as far uh, well, I would say no drogage, and I would also say I would say no Myers at mm-hmm. that point, just because I do think Bam at the five is what Miami's going to lean into, and ultimately, mm-hmm. if you're going to go Bam at the five, have it as many switchable defenders as possible is going to be. I mean, it's going to be important. So you would just hope that another summer of shooting would help DJJ a little bit. Right, and being able to close games with Bam and DJJ and Jay Crowder and Jimmy and then whoever else you put in that fifth spot. I think, I guess, Eagle Doll, if you're doing offense, defense, subs, um, Kendrick Nunn, if he bulks up a little bit. Um, I mean, you, that gives you something to close games with. Right. It's interesting. I, I yeah, I, I just think that they're <laughs> they're going to be stuck trying to convince DeMar DeRozan to be a six man. I, I don't I, like what you're talking about him not closing I games. I, I just I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that would be the selling point, though. I don't think they would be able to get him to come off the bench like you guys mentioned. I think it would be, you know, you're starting, you're going to play with Jimmy Bam and, and a couple of shooters in the lineup, and then you're going to be playing in lineups where you're not playing with Jimmy and Bam. They're going to have their own lineups. You're going to be coming, you know, you're going to play with some of the bench guys, maybe one other starter, you know, that type of situation where they're like, 
We just need the extra scoring. And you, you don't need to be the best scorer. You don't need to be a great defender. You don't need to be a great shooter. We've got all those things kind of just put up 20 for us and get to the free throw line. And then Jimmy Bam and the shooting will handle it at the end of the game. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing though. They've had to, they need someone to anchor those no Bam, no, but no Butler lineups, which Eric seems to like, and you can't anchor it with Iguodala and really going forward, you can't anchor it with Dragic. And so it would be awkward so to like you can't throw- anchor it with DeRozan. It would be awkward to build lineups around those three. I understand. But at the same time, how much more awkward is it than, like, instead of DeRozan being that third non-shooter, if it's one of the other non-shooters that they play there next to Jimmy and Bam, right, like Iguodala or Crowder, yeah. who they can shoot. But, you know, they're not they're not deadly either. You know, or, or when you put Derrick Jones Jr. there, like, I think they could make it work. It would just definitely be an awkward fit. And What is uh, the kind of – what is DeRozan's uh, foul rate at this? And how often is he – because that's always been one of his great skills has been getting to the line, which obviously Jimmy and Bam do. Has he still been productive in that way, getting the line? I'm pretty sure he's still over five. I can pull that up for you yeah. right now, actually. Um, he's getting to the free throw line 6.6 times a game this year. See, see that, see, free that's throw, where yeah, about yeah. 42%. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where there would be a real value there. Like, particularly when, when Jimmy and Bam are not on the court, the, his ability to slow the game down and create his own shot, line, create his own shot. Uh, the three point shooting wouldn't worry me as much again, if Bam and, and, and Bam and Jimmy are not on the court, but you have DeRozan out there anchoring a lineup with Duncan and hero. Would you feel comfortable at, with that as a closing lineup, or maybe you substitute one of those guys for another defender, like the, the, the two shooting, two shooters with Hero and Duncan, and then you know DeRozan, Jimmy, Bam? I, I think it depends on the night, but I think the other thing we're seeing, and we haven't talked about it much. I mean, Tyler Hero got back on the court; he's going to be part of closing lineups starting next year. Everyone, every single one, because he's the one guy that's been proven this year that he, you could trust him offensively at the end of games, oh. and so he's going to play at the end of games. So. You know, his defense is not going to worry them, I don't think. Yeah, I was just about to say, it's. I mean, it's mostly a point against Goran, but also DeRozan. If you believe in Tyler Hero specifically, but also Kendrick Nunn, I tweeted about it a little bit uh, earlier today and just throughout the season, Duncan Robinson becoming better as a passer when he sees two defenders at him, he's slipping in those pocket pads and stuff. The Heat have been a top 10 offense all year. They've been bottom of the barrel of defense since December. Do you yep. need to bring in another shot creator, or do you just empower Kendrick Nunn, empower Tyler Hero, let those guys grow naturally, empower Duncan Robinson more, throw in a defensive wing or a defensive big? So that's to why come I round out the second unit. I feel like that would be the easier way to to kind of so build it. Do you think they could get like a defensive big to go along with with a, a couple of the guys? Like I think that's what be the, be the hard part, right? It's like, would you be able to resign some of these guys and also get some more defensive guys? I, I just don't know if, like, either way we're going to end up settling for a good offensive team that just needs to be better on defense with what they have and, and re-signing Crowder and Derek. Like, I think the whole thing is just we're going to end up leading into a similar similar type of team, right, as far as offensive-defensive mold. Yeah, well, I gonna, think my guess if – oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I, they're going to run into that regardless. I mean, that's just right. I mean, there's no there's no way around that. I mean, they're not getting a two-way star this offseason. They're no, not. Like letting Goran and Myers walk. But Nikai, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, um, I think if you go the cap space route, you have $28 million to work with. You bring back Crowder, see if you can get him down to like one year, 10 mil. And then you toss out the 18 mil and see if you can get a, a Marcus Gasol or a Serge Ibaka. Try to get one of those guys to kind of round it out. 
and then you trust your development. Yeah, Miami has their first round pick this year. They're more affordable than he would have been otherwise. All right, guys, thanks for doing it. We ran long, and it's gonna the thing is gonna shut us off. So we at, we were wondering if we had material. The same thing about Alpha and I the other night. Clearly, we have material. So we'll have a new podcast after. We're gonna have uh, Rohan on from Sports Illustrated on with us. Talk about an article he wrote. Uh, he's gonna come on with us Monday. Not Nikias, thanks for doing it. Alex, we'll talk soon. And check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.